Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters. Satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Dalton Del Don, always good to be talking to you on uh, the midweek episode here. Do you know, Dalton, though, do you know what satisfied me today? No, but I'm dying to hear, Harmon. What, what is it? <laughs> Are you dying? I mean, yeah, you're dying to know that Logan Thomas is uh, waking up and remembering Logan Thomas's awesome performance on Monday Night Football one of the two, so actually sort of Monday night football, Monday afternoon football. That is what satisfied me today. I'm not kidding you, Dalton. I posted the tweet, uh, the screenshot of the text last night because I said this on our pal Chris Harris's podcast. I've been saying it all year on Chris Harris's podcast. My dad and I legitimately still talk about Logan Thomas probably every, I would say every other week because uh, I, I, I call him. He's known around these parts being my house and that's it he's known in these parts as the pride of lynchburg virginia he went to high school just down the street from where i went to college i always root for all my virginia guys he also went to virginia tech uh where my older sister went to school so my dad is always watching i was very satisfied i don't actually have i think logan thomas on any fantasy teams but regardless um i was hyped to see him crushing it against the steelers in a nationally televised game First of all, you laugh, but it was a legit question. I'm always curious what satisfied you on these weekly uh, weekly segments, and that's good. To, uh, it's nice to know that Thomas was, is even a connection with you. I didn't realize that he balled out of control. Um, I'll tell you, I was entirely unsatisfied this week uh, because speaking to people close by, you know, we talk about Josh Allen. I don't know if you saw the even even did a little segment on yes, Fireball I, California. Yes, I did see that, <laughs> and then I he thought pers- about it. And he proceeded to rip apart my Niners and uh, effectively, well, definitely put their playoff hopes much, much more in peril right after they brought me back in. I'd already written them off and then they have this upset win, uh, had me excited. And then they just totally, I I don't think they forced a punt all game until the final two minutes. And I had a couple of big money NFFC leagues that that effectively end week 13 that I entered in first place. The overall component just lasts in the playoffs. And here are the key guys that I had after Sunday's action. Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Mostert, and Pittsburgh D. I believe they all four had their worst games. Um, Few few pennies on the line there. I also had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the Sunday night game. Lost by .02 points in a matchup. So glad to hear things are going well in the Harmon household because it's a little bit frustrating over here. Well, honestly, I had to take some satisfaction in Logan Thomas doing what he did. Because if you want to talk about fantasy misery, There's one of my best teams this year um, is in the in the Wavos League with Brad. Um, I think we're both in that. And it's hard to keep track at this point. But I needed last <laughs> night. I looked like I was going to go towards a comfortable win. Uh, and then Antonio Gibson gets hurt. Yikes. 1.4 points. That's tough. And uh, I have Stefan Diggs (laughs) on my team and I was going against Josh Allen. So then when Josh Allen throws a touchdown to every freaking player on the bills, except Stefan Diggs, now it looks like unless Zeke and Dalton Schultz don't turn up for the game, uh, tonight, it looks like I will probably lose that week. So I feel you fantasy pain is everywhere this year. Um, there's also some pain, uh, in the Philadelphia, well, it depends actually. If in the Wentz household, there's definitely some pain today because the big news of the day is he has been benched officially for um, for Jalen Hurts. Uh, maybe that's not so much pain if you're an Eagles fan, but we'll talk about that later. There's also 
uh, some news that I just want to hit on really quickly, which is NBC Denver's Mike Kliss, longtime beat reporter for the Denver Broncos, reports that A.J. Boye is facing a suspension for violating the, league, the league's PED policy. Apparently, per Kliss, it's uh, situations connected to Will Fuller and Bradley Roby, uh, the the Texans guys that were suspended for six games. Feel bad for AJ Boye because uh, it sounds like these guys have all kind of gotten the wool pulled over their eyes uh, on this one. But man, can anything go like right for the Denver Broncos here in 2020? It's been a miserable year for Denver. Yeah, it really has. Um, and I look forward here this week. We have Carolina, you know, because Boye now missing. Uh, your guy Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. We don't know what to do with though. We're not even sure I if know. they're going to be available with that whole situation though. So just I know. more uncertainty. And yeah, you're right though. Denver, this is a year that it's gone. It's gone south in pretty much every direction, pretty every way. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that you know maybe Samuel and I know Moore tested positive for for covid so we'll see what happens okay. with him I think Sam Samuel was a close contact so maybe yeah. he can get cleared by the time game time otherwise man we're going to get what are we going to get like uh I mean Chris McCaffrey's probably going to get back we're going to get 20 yeah. uh mm-hmm. targets for McCaffrey maybe 15 for Robbie Anderson which means he'll probably have 70 yards <laughs> based on his usage of late so we'll see what happens there but let's do what we always do here on the uh Tuesday slash Wednesday show uh, and talk about the things that we love to see and the things that we hate to see. You know, two weeks ago, we looked at some wide receivers that were coming on late into the season that people might have been overlooking, right, because of some small sample sizes. This week, we're going to give the same treatment to the running backs. Uh, I'll nominate a few guys that are better late than never. One, Nick Chubb. I mean, Nick Chubb injury is an injury situation, but I mean, he's coming on here of late. Uh, obviously, has 80 yards and a touchdown last week in the Browns' blowout win. Um, per Next Gen Stats, Nick Chubb is the only running back in the top three in rushing yards over expectation per carry over the last three seasons. I think that really goes to show what basically everybody on planet Earth says about Nick Chubb, which is that he's one of the best, if not the very best, like pure runner among backs uh, in the NFL. But you know what I think is interesting, you know, it's it's not a, I don't think it's too much of a coincidence that that Chubb is balling like everybody expects that, but Kareem Hunt has actually like remember that whole narrative where it's like well Nick Chubb being back is actually good for Kareem Hunt because yeah, of this right. that and the other that has not been um, the case lately Hunt is like kind of completely fallen out of favor other than that touchdown when he had 11 yards a couple of weeks ago it's been a it's been a bit of a slog for Hunt lately as Chubb has clearly taken over that backfield. He's clearly better, but it's still a little annoying as far as Chubb. Uh, he's only got 50% of the snap share last week when Hunt got 49%. They have the same number of carries inside the five over the last month. Um, it's just annoying because Chubb should be dominating the work because he is one of the two or three best running backs in football right now. Hunt is, is very good himself, but there's just a drop-off every time he's touching the ball instead of Nick Chubb. Um, and then Wyatt Teller, uh, their, their run-blocking guard, he went on the contact COVID reserve list also, and that's something to follow because the, the run-blocking fell awesome. off when he missed games earlier. Yeah, and they have a tough matchup against the Ravens on Monday night, so definitely something to, to follow. But yeah, Nick Chubb, if he's uh, just depending on matchup, you're ranking him either the top three or, or top ten at worst each week, even with the split snap share. He's that good. Yeah, Kareem Hunt, in week, the last, here's the last three weeks. 13 carries, 11 yards, and that touchdown um, in Week 11 against the Eagles. Against the Jaguars in Week 12, 10 carries, 62 yards. 14 carries for 33 last week against the Titans. And, oh, by the way, he only has four combined receptions. Like, that was another narrative yeah. that we thought coming into this year. Like, oh, well, he'll be the big receptions guy. That hasn't really been the case. Um, it was interesting, especially in Week 11. I mean, they were trying to hammer Kareem Hunt uh, at the goal line there. For whatever reason, obviously it took forever, but it finally worked uh, for them. He finally did get that rushing touchdown. But again, Hunt has basically been just a since Chubb has gotten back, like basically turned back into kind of a touchdown or bust uh, sort of flex play, maybe RB three type. Um, and Hunt or Chubb, as you mentioned, is a guy that you're starting every single week. So, what what was your take though? I got to get your sort of reaction about the um, the passing game eruption for Cleveland last week. Something to expect or something to um, ignore, and maybe uh, we won't see something like that again. 
I mean, we noted that over-under was surprisingly high last week. It was just a good setup. There were so many injuries on defense on both sides of the ball there. So I just think, I mean, Baker Mayfield almost had five touchdown passes before halftime. Maybe I think they Chubb took that fifth one away from him. But man, yeah, really unreal. So, and even uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones dropped another touchdown too. Sure touchdown. So it was impressive. Obviously not having to worry about uh, force-feeding Beckham. The ball has kind of helped here. Jarvis Landry has looked healthier. And I think we just all kind of forgot of what could happen here during a three-game stretch in Cleveland with bad weather. I mean, it was three games. It was all just really, really bad weather. And now it's away from that, running this play action, uh, the coaching upgrade big time, Stefanski, a coach of the year candidate. Um, I mean, obviously, he's not going to be great fantasy-wise moving forward because this team wants to run and play defense. But um, it's encouraging to see, man. Maybe Mayfield, uh, maybe he's not a bust after all. Yeah, well, I feel like actually the analysis with Mayfield is – you know, he might not be a bust. I think he's probably an average at best starting quarterback. And I think the, the situations where we're looking for him to produce really well are basically the conditions, the exact conditions that we got last week, which is against yeah. the Tennessee Titans defense that's second to last in terms of pressure rate this year. Their pass rush is terrible, which is, I think, a problem for Tennessee going into the postseason and potentially could really muck up like the fantasy schedules or fantasy outlooks for guys like Derrick Henry or the offense there. It might just flip the game scripts. But Cleveland's last four opponents, Baltimore, as you mentioned, uh, the Giants. By the way, Giants look like they're a pretty good defense. The Jets in week 16, you know, fire the cannons. They can't rush the passer. They can't do anything right either. And then the Steelers in week uh, 17. The Steelers lead the NFL in pressure rate, uh, by the way. The Giants are are top 10, and the Ravens, when they're healthy and they're getting some of their guys back, are a pretty good pressure defense too. So I don't know that we're going to see too many more games like Mayfield uh, had, or you know, really anything close to what we saw in week 13. And this team may, you know, into the playoffs, double-digit wins, though, and then they suddenly are down 10 nothing and might be in big trouble in that wild-card round. I'd still like to see Mayfield have to play from behind, which thought might be the case against Tennessee, but it certainly wasn't. So it's encouraging. The coaching upgrade has just been absolutely massive. It just highlights how important it is in the NFL, which we might have seen the most glaring example this last week with the Patriots versus Chargers. Um, and here's another example. This is the Cleveland just, the coaching change. is such, such a difference. I love it. All right, another guy who's sort of coming on quietly of late, and this is a player who hasn't played well on balance here in in 2020. I think his truthers should be able to admit that, but again, last couple weeks, sandwiched uh, between these two weeks was a a stint on the COVID list, but Jonathan Taylor has started to really pick it up. This this stat comes in from the pod father, uh, Matt Kelly himself. Yards per reception, top three for Jonathan Taylor. Yards per route run, top two. Catch rate, top one, meaning first, best in the league among running backs. I think that's sort of the untold story when it comes to Jonathan Taylor's that he's producing in the passing game, and and that's where he's taking his big steps. But was awesome last week against the uh, <laughs> against the Texans. Look, everybody's awesome against the Texans, but they get the Raiders this week through the Indianapolis Colts. By the way, Ty Johnson. The great Ty Johnson had 100 yards against uh, the Raiders last week. Yeah, shocking when the 38-year-old starting back left the field, the rushing attack didn't suffer a huge drop-off. Um, so part of those stats might be attributed for Jonathan Taylor that helped that blown coverage this last week. It was about, what, it was a 38-yard yes. TD catch. That certainly helped. And um, I wouldn't call myself a truther, but I was all in is this season for, for Taylor uh, in fantasy drafts and recommendations. But he has certainly not jumped off the screen at all. And Neam Hines is still there passing down work. And the O-line is also not blocked nearly as well as expected in Indy. And even, yeah, Brissett there, vulturing goal line scores. But he is kind of quietly taking over the backfield work now, certainly in the second half last week. And as you mentioned, a great matchup against the Raiders. I mean, that makes Taylor a top 15 fantasy back in this economy, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. where we're at. <laughs> yeah, no, it is where we're at. He also, by the way, I think this is important in the equation too. Because I think he's, like I said, I think the last two games he has started to play better i think his vision looks better i think he's looking more decisive the metrics would back that up too he has eight missed tackles in the last two games alone and he had nine in all of weeks one through ten so i actually thought it was was encouraging too that 
he comes off the COVID list. Uh, Hines is still yeah. in, like Hines is going to be involved, no question, because Hines is a good player. And I think when the Colts' offense has been at their best, they've had Hines involved. But at the same time, the fact that Taylor comes off the COVID list and they pretty much throw him right back out there and let him do his thing, I thought that was encouraging. And he gets the Raiders this week. He gets the Texans again. <laughs> That terrible Texans run defense in week 15. So there's a chance that Taylor really does end uh, 2020 on a really high note and becomes a potential high draft pick once again in 2021 at at the very least. And running backs can improve like any position, and you call it their vision. That would absolutely be something that would improve, you know, going from to the pro game and with more experience. And clearly he's he's, uh, improving in that area lately. Yes. All right. Let's talk about this guy. This guy, if there was ever like a, a volume, volume beats everything guy, volume beats talent, volume beats your situation, volume beats everything. It's the fact that David frickin' Montgomery, I liked Ragu, I liked Ragu put three question marks after his name on the outline. That's, that's solid producing work right there. Cause that's how I feel. David Montgomery is RB1 in points per game over the last four weeks in half PPR, the standard Yahoo scoring. Dalton, react. <laughs> I know, our punching bag. I had to look, is that real, Ragu, the number one back last month? Because three games ago, he was a, a zero. I couldn't believe this. And then Patterson even had 10 carries this last week. But again, that shows you this economy of the, of the fantasy running back market right now. But and okay, so last week I'd attribute it to the the matchups. Of course, it helps having by far the worst fantasy D against running backs has been Detroit. Well, guess who's been the second worst? That's the Texans, and that's who they get this week. That team just wears down in the second halves against the rush. So yeah, you got to fire him up again. And um, uh, hey, man, I would tell you the volume's been there. Uh, he's probably played a little bit better than expected as well. And uh, what are you going to argue? He's producing. Yeah, well, he really ha- other than the the Cordero Patterson like gimmicky gadget stuff uh there really is no competition in that backfield right like there's no one else there um and you mentioned the schedule too with with like you could say but the matchups and i agree with you that's really the the differentiator here is that the packers we know they just invite you to run on them like please crush us with the ground game mike Pettin loves to have his defenses trampled by the ground game that was their week 12 opponent week 13 you mentioned the lions but the matchups well, the Texans this week, the Vikings in week 15, the Jaguars in week 16, and the Packers again yeah. in week 17. Like, it doesn't get <laughs> much better than that from a rushing game perspective. Yeah, he's going to end on it. Yeah, he's going to be highly valuable down the stretch. Congratulations if you if you had him this far and you made your playoffs, fantasy playoffs, well done. Yeah, it looks like he's going to pay off big time. Which is unbelievable, too, because, like, the, the Bears offense stinks. You know, they're not yeah, – right. Right. They're they're not a good unit. Uh according to Sharp Football Stats, the Chicago Bears actually have the fourth easiest schedule in terms of uh pass defense efficiency uh and fourth best against fourth easiest against rush defense efficiency opponents too. So <sighs> good things maybe for that. I and the reality is too, Mitch Trubisky's also kind of in this equation too. I know he basically didn't have a good fantasy game last week, but he did keep up his trend of clearing 100 100 plus passer rating against the Detroit Lions, which he's done in every single game since his counting out his rookie year. Every time he faces the Lions, he goes over 100 passer rating. He played pretty well. The touchdown just happened to go to Montgomery and Cordero Patterson. Like Trubisky could could finish the year no one, no one cares about it from an NFL perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, he could at least get Robinson and some of these other sleepers, and even himself for super flexors uh, into fantasy consideration as well. I know I'm still look, I'm still I'm rocking Trubisky in my in Scott Fishbowl because I lost Dak, so this is where I'm at too, man. Funny, Detroit's first uh, double-digit comeback win in years was the first game Patricia uh, also wasn't coaching there. You, the same thing could be said for this favorable schedule for Trubisky, absolutely, uh, as you said, for the rushing attack. Houston at Minnesota at Jacksonville, that's very favorable. And Trubisky runs, too, fantasy-wise. So super flex or cheap DFS, or if you just simply, yeah, you're, you're, running with some, you're playing the matchups. Uh, I'm with you here. I think he's a top 15 fantasy guy moving forward with, the, with those matchups. All right, Wayne Gallman, I think, is another guy we have to talk about. He's running back 13 in fantasy points per game since week eight. 
Uh, most rushing yards after contact per attempt per pro football focus. Nick Chubb, our guy, leads the way at number one. Ronald Jones, my guy. <laughs> Surprisingly, he's become my guy here in 2020. He's number two. Wayne Gallman, number three. Derrick Henry, uh, number four. I think that this stat really personifies Wayne Gallman's game. He is a badass. He runs really hard. I also love the fact that his team basically tried to put anyone else out there other than Wayne Gallman. It's like, oh, crap, we lose Saquon Barkley. Well, good thing we signed Dion, the ghost of Dion right. Lewis in the offseason. Good thing we bring Devonta Freeman off the veteran scrap heap. This guy has been awesome, even though he lost the touchdowns to Alfred Morris via Colt McCoy, which is not a pairing I thought was going to be a thing in in the year 2020. After the last time we saw them together was 20, was that 2013 or something like that in Washington? Um, yeah. Pretty surprising, but Wayne Gallman still had an awesome game against the Seahawks, and I think could be set up pretty well the rest of the year, too. Yeah, he seems just like a boring option, kind of a boring name, but he, he looks pretty good out there, passes the eye test. And last week was a little annoying because uh, he lost two touchdowns to Alfred Morris because 2020. And one minor quibble is Colt McCoy didn't throw one target his way, and he ran, easily led the team in routes run by the running backs. But he looks good out there. He usually dominates the goal line work. He had scored in five straight games, six rushing touchdowns over that span. So, yeah, uh, easy RB1, borderline RB1 down the stretch, easily start him must start for sure i think so i think he's a must start basically every week unless you're stacked at running back in, in which case like good for you must be nice um i know i'm starting gallman on two of my best teams that are left uh i don't think that i'll hesitate either to play him the rest of the way and you mentioned the colt mccoy thing which is definitely a variable but it sounds like daniel jones could get back if not this week, then right. next week, sooner than later, he might get back out there, which actually does make quite a bit of difference for the offense. I know Daniel Jones is not everybody's favorite quarterback, but he at least raises the ceiling of the attack. And that defense is playing so much better than expected. The coach clearly has this team trying hard. I mean, obviously, they're fighting for the playoffs, but this team is improving. They're getting better. So, um, yeah, it doesn't sound great uh, feature back on that offense with possibly Colt McCoy, but they're making it work and, and only getting better. They're, uh, are they the favorite now to win that division after last week's upset? have to be right they're they're I in guess, first I guess place washington washington what about washington too? though I mean, yeah it, exactly yeah yeah and washington too i know we're going to talk about that game in a little bit later because i want to talk about the Steelers side of it but you know jd mckissick pops last night i think washington is a legit tough team to play you know we talked about logan thomas off the top as well we know terry mclaurin's a baller and i thought it was actually kind of encouraging that even though the steelers clearly you know they were talking about on the broadcast they wanted to take terry mclaurin out of that game they wanted to make sure they had a corner on him and they were shading the safety. I was really, I thought when Joe Hayden went down, we might see Terry McLaurin rip one to win the game. Didn't turn out to be the case. Turned out to be Logan Thomas. But I thought it was encouraging that that offense actually moved despite McLaurin not being a big part of the equation. And I, I think that, I think there's a chance Washington could win this division. Absolutely. Those two teams, Washington and New York, have combined for seven straight wins. And uh, yeah, glad to hear more of your Logan Thomas story. And so uh, McLaurin coming off <laughs> such a goose egg. Very, very annoying. But um, yeah, the yeah, former look, quarterback. I know, For, I know. Former, were former quarterback. He looks good. No, what about Alex Smith suffering another ridiculous uh, uh, leg injury, ankle injury with the blood everywhere and stuff? Man, that was fighting through in Pittsburgh. Uh, what a ugly game, but an uh, impressive performance. So yeah, Washington and New York, they're both, they're both, uh, they both want this. They're, they're clearly going in opposite directions as philly and dallas yeah the two like much hyped teams in this division definitely going nowhere what about jd mckissick what's you know i don't know man i i i hate that he's such a big part of the offense in one way because it seems like just too perfect like cooker cutty it seems like too perfect too much of like a cooker oh my god I, you know what i mean cookie cutter <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say whatever leave it in there He's too easy of a fit with Alex Smith. You know what I'm trying to say. He's averaging nine targets per game, though, since uh, Alex Smith took over five games ago with a 69% catch rate. If Gibson's going to miss games, it's good news for McKissick, but I think it's bad news for the offense if McKissick continues to be that involved and Gibson misses games. I think they would have been much better off last night had Gibson been in there. 
Yeah, Gibson coming out. Was it his first touch? I think the fourth snap. Yeah, like I thought right maybe away. they were Ugh. retaping his ankle and get back out there. But no, it might be turf toe. So, yeah, if he does miss time, Terrible. I think, unfortunately, it'll just be more Peyton Barber. And McKissick is looking at the targets either way. And maybe he'll get a few more uh, carries. But, I mean, 10 last week. He secured all 10 of them. So, at the Niners this week or a neutral field. But, um, you know, not the best matchup. But if you're in PPR, of course, McKissick. And you're rooting for Gibson to get back out there if you have him. Otherwise probably Peyton Barber on most fantasy benches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't mess around with that. You don't want to you don't want to be bothered. Uh, last guy I want to talk about among these these running backs cuz he's coming off I think a surprising awesome game in week 13. Melvin Gordon, second among running backs, only behind the great Wayne Gallman among with in terms of yardage in week 13. Uh he but here's here's the downside, right? He had an awesome game last week, but he only had 15 carries. Philip Lindsay, who may or may not be healthy, he still had four. Um, now, Gordon got one more touch in the passing game, but still 52% snap share for Gordon, 40% for Philip Lindsay. That being said, all, all that said, that's that's the negative part of it. Like, we know that Lindsay's still going to be involved, but the Broncos have, again, per sharp football stats, the easiest schedule in terms of rush defense efficiency. Maybe Gordon, maybe Lindsey, one of these guys, it's an offense that's a train wreck. We talked about it earlier. It's a train wreck, but one of these guys could be really big to end the season. And maybe it is Gordon coming off a, a hot game in week 13. Yeah, Gordon did kind of come out of nowhere. They split the, the carries, but Gordon's a better receiver and he's the favorite at the goal line. So that's why he carries more fantasy value, even if Lindsay might even be the better runner. But he's also a risk of leaving every game injured. His BMI is just so low. So uh, Lindsay's also more aesthetically pleasing to watch. Uh, just glides with the ball. Uh, looks great out there. But yeah, Gordon fantasy wise definitely could be a dark horse down down the stretch to, to with sneaky value for sure. Yeah, that that was just one I thought was interesting because the schedule is so appealing and he's obviously yeah. coming in with some momentum. We wanted to once again thank our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. All right, now we move into the things we hate to see. You hate to see this one. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, man. Uh, yikes. They're not, they're not, not so hot lately. Uh, this chart was making the rounds on the internet lately. Graham Barfield from fantasy points put out Deandre Hopkins next gen stats route charts from the last three games. Number one, basically all of his targeted routes are coming on the left side of the field with very few exceptions. The last three games. I think that's interesting that we can expand on that a little bit, but they're all, you know, shallow routes. There's nothing really downfield. Um, have you been surprised by what you've seen out of um, out of the Arizona Cardinals offense lately, out of DeAndre Hopkins, out of Kyler Murray? Like, what's your take on what's going on here? It's been rough. Uh, just 52 yards on 13 targets last week. I know it was a tough matchup with the Rams, but you take away that Hail Mary and Hopkins hasn't reached 85 receiving yards in a game since October. Um, I mean, Kyler Murray's shoulder injury is obviously part of the issue here. He's just stopped running, too, for, for fantasy managers. Um, it's all a problem. You look at the schedule at the Giants. James Bradbury could be locked down on him here. Then Eagles, Niners, and Rams again to end the season. It's all not great. Um, I think Kyler Murray's injury is, is an issue. I don't know what to make of the route tree. I'm very curious your take on it. Well, you you ideally do not want DeAndre Hopkins just doing this, you know, short uh, stuff. I think the bigger the bigger th interesting part of it is the fact that they have pretty much left Hopkins on one side of the field. And I know this sounds like way too into the weeds football wise, but I think it's a big part of what's going on with this offense. Uh, I saw Smart Football interact with this same tweet that I'm talking about with Graham Barfield. Um, he made the point that in the air raid, and Cliff Kingsbury obviously comes from the air raid. They typically like to leave one receiver on their guys on just one spot. So number one, that they can play really fast because we know they're going to be up tempo. They're going to run a lot of plays, whatever. There's some advantages to that for sure. Um, in the pros, it's an interesting approach because typically receivers get moved from left to right. Like it's rare to see one guy line up at left outside receiver or right outside receiver more than like 50% of their snaps. But Hopkins has basically been that ISO left side hmm. wide receiver on the majority of his plays. The philosophy there too is that it's going to force defenses to that one side of the field and it opens things up for other guys. The problem here is, man, 
Larry Fitzgerald's not, you know, he's not a huge factor at this point, but he's been on the COVID list of late. Christian Kirk has faded once again. Andy Isabella, that guy is not stepping up at all. There's just not much going on in the uh, Cardinals passing game beyond DeAndre Hopkins. And so when they're scheming things to push it all Hopkins way, it's just whatever open space they're creating for these other guys, it doesn't matter because they're not adding much value to their plays. Murray is 19th in EPA per play over the last three weeks. He may or may not be healthy. I still think he's throwing the ball okay, but maybe that's a big reason why the scrambling has become completely out of the offense. And their passing game, their rushing game, their entire offense is has not been good at all this year beyond Murray scrambling and the Hopkins to connection. So this is where we're at. There's not a lot <laughs> and that- good going on here. That's not just a recent thing. I did not realize that. Uh, but you're right. Hopkins has played the lined up on the left side on 86% of his snaps by far. The Yeah, most of the others, as you said, they're about half, you know, they split the left and right, some slot thrown in. Um, obviously, he hasn't been working terrifically lately. And it could be, a, a, a yeah, maybe he's not a top five top option down the stretch. Obviously, the volume, you're starting Hopkins. I mean, of course. But right. um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, not ideal, and it seems to me all the most successful offenses uh, this season are the ones with the most pre-snap motion and, and making the defenses make decisions and move a little bit. So I don't know. Is Kingsbury, I know he's also uh, really down on as far as kicking field goals on fourth and short when he shouldn't be. Is he a good coach or not? That's a, It's a great question. Um, I'm... Here's here's a fun thought exercise because I think the answer to that is we don't know yet, right? right and sure. I think that we've seen, well, we but we've seen a lot of evidence. Why it's worth asking is we've seen a lot of evidence that maybe uh, he doesn't make the sharpest decisions when it comes to fourth down aggressiveness. You know, kicking field goals. I think they're I think they're too run heavy sometimes too. Their rushing game is actually pretty good from like a DVOA success rate perspective. They've all that's been the strength of the Kingsbury offense. But just imagine. Dalton, if Kyler Murray didn't exist, like Kyler Murray went to play baseball, would we give up about Cliff Kingsbury's offense at all if if he was still the Cardinals coach? Josh Rosen running it? Josh Poor Rosen, Josh Rosen. It. Poor Josh Rosen. Did you see the the graphic they put up of all? And they put the like most unflattering uh, picture of him too. And they compared him to all the, his draft class on that Monday game. But um, well, uh, what's more, un- yeah, what's yeah, more without- unflattering, his picture or his career stats? I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. Uh, the yeah, without Kyler Murray, you're right. No, yes. What, what and and people? Why is uh, Larry Fitzgerald getting all the uh, snaps over Andy Isabella too? I don't know. There's some, there are definitely well, some and, questions because Isabella's not good, man. I mean, he doesn't do it. Does when he's been getting the snaps lately, be. he doesn't do anything. Fair. That's fair. Well, he drafted him early then. Why are you taking him early then? Why are you dra- drafting him early then? Yeah. That was the Josh Rosen pick was Andy Isabella. Um, mm. Insane. I mean, yeah, it's a very predictable offense at this point, too. You mentioned that he lines up on the field, does DeAndre Hopkins over 80% of the snaps. He has 100 targets when lined up left wide. The next highest guy is DK Metcalf at 60. I mean, mm. that's what we're talking wow. about here. That is a massive gap. That's It's stupid. It's stupid when you don't also... Man, you know what really what really irks me about this offense is the fact that they took Isaiah Simmons as high as they did in the draft and they didn't mm. just take CD Lamb. Like that was just a layup for you cuz he's coming from a very like one-to-one sort of comparison offense from Oklahoma to this team. Man, like this team could have been flying if well, it, you, if said Brandon, play- you said Brandon Ayuk's name wrong, and he was even de- right down the street at ASU. Brandon Ayuk right, right there, and they overlooked him. So I'm kidding, obviously. Yeah, I know. They had, <laughs> oh, for sure, CeeDee Lamb falling there. Yeah, right. And they don't even, yeah, Simmons, I think he has a big interception this year, but like, he has not been even he barely playing. Plays. That, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I so feel yeah, like that's a great hear- answer, by the way. The Kingsbury is it just remains to be seen because clearly there are question marks. Um, but you know, he he is quite you know he's also done some good things, and he does have Kyler Murray on his team. So so I, yes. I agree. The jury's out. The jury's out. Because Kyler Murray exists, we don't have to run through the exercise of like what if he didn't have Kyler Murray. But at the same time, this would be a if and- if Kyler Murray wasn't in this offense, like we're talking about, man, what's wrong with the Cardinals' offense? And he ranks nineteenth in EPA per play right now. Oh, good God. Like, imagine what this snooze fest of a team going for every uh, field goal possible would look and like. It, if but they did it also have... must be noted that they might have three more wins if Zane Gonzalez makes makeable kicks, too. And we're True. not, we consider it different. He's legitimately cost them three games. I mean, of course, they're not all gimmies, but he is really cost them this year, unlike any other kicker in football. The, the Cardinals, 
I think this season is a success for them no matter what, because like let's put into context, they were picking number one overall and completely yep. hopeless going yep. into the, the 2019 season. And now they're a potential playoff team. Even if it's going to be disappointing if they miss the playoffs, but I feel like they're on the right path. So Kingsbury might just need to do a little soul searching in the offseason. They definitely need to beef up their offensive personnel. But for now, I think we have to start thinking about Hopkins as, like you said, maybe not a top five option. Someone you're starting every single week, but maybe you don't pay that sticker price tag in DFS. Um, Kyler Murray. I'm, I have Kyler Murray on my best fantasy team. I'm going to end up starting him this week. I'm not going to try to stream someone else, but maybe I got to worry a little tiny bit about the fact that he's not going to be a clear top five every week, set it and forget it quarterback option. And Arizona's better off, it should be noted, uh, misusing DeAndre Hopkins than they are David Johnson. So they also, I mean, that they're definitely better off there as well. But um, yeah, it's uh, Kyler Murray going from the most fantasy points ever or whatever for the first seven weeks to this drop off is uh, quite quite drastic. It is not ideal. Let's talk about something that else is another drop off that's been drastic. Carson Wentz's um, everything career, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, career yeah. everything. How has Carson? There's two parts here. Obviously, we said um, he's getting benched for Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is on the board this week. They're playing Jalen Hurts. That's great stuff. We love to see it. Uh, but Carson Wentz, man. He is the one-time triple crown leader in terms of sacks, fumbles, interceptions. Leads the NFL with 50 sacks taken. Interceptions, 15. Fumbles. Well, unfortunately, now that belongs to our good friend Taysom Hill. But that's different, right? Like, when we're looking at Taysom Hill, he wasn't playing quarterback all year. That's a little bit different. But nevertheless, it's it's been an awful year for Carson Wentz. We know that. Um, a, what do you think happens to Wentz from here? And B, what do you think this Eagles offense looks like? Let's just assume Hertz plays out the stretch, like the last four games here. Man, I know the offensive line has been a problem, but he's been sacked three plus times now for the third most straight games in NFL history. Um, the next gen nerd stats, the completion percentage above expectation. He's bottom five. The only quarterbacks worse, Locke, Darnold, Haskins, and Luton. Um, that's not not ideal territory. So, um, yeah, Wentz is a, is the problem that Philly has is the cap territory next year, which I know is boring to get into. But I don't know what this team does moving no forward with him. But um, Jalen Hurts, I've uh, actually had stashed in a few teams of super flex. Um, he's so exciting because of his rushing upside. I mean, I believe Roto World's note uh, said he led college in YPA on non-play action passes last year. So he can throw the ball downfield. But to answer your question, it's Dallas Goddard. And then I wouldn't really want to trust any other pass catchers. And why we're talking about Ertz, Hertz is... Uh, is his uh, upside with his, with his legs. Last season, he had nearly 1,300 rushing yards and 20 rushing touchdowns. I mean, it's pretty wild, those video game numbers. Unfortunately, he gets the Saints right away. So yeah. do you have the guts <laughs> to use him in fantasy or what? I know afterward, I think he gets like Zona and Dallas. So he could really actually be a difference maker, even in one QB non-superflex leagues. I mean, what do you make of him, man? Yeah, I think I'll play like I'll play him in DFS this week because of the rushing upside, as you mentioned. Just the potential that that game could get high scoring. You're right. The the he does get Arizona the next week, Dallas in week 16, and Washington in week 17. Whatever doesn't really matter for fantasy. I wouldn't play him in a season long league this week unless it's super flex or two QB. As 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 we noted, that's always important. But yeah, I don't think I'd play him in a traditional fantasy lineup this week. I am interested to see if he does bring more of that downfield element because. Look, this offense is as boring as it gets. It's as hard to watch as it gets. I mentioned Kyler Murray was 19th in EPA per play the last three weeks. Uh, Carson Wentz is 33. Uh, As I always say when I read off the number 33, that's not good because I don't know if people know there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you're 33, that means uh, you got a problem. (laughs) Somewhere in there, there's a problem. By the way, Russell Wilson, 32nd. There's another uh, team that's taken a drastic drop-off as well of late. So... I think that Hertz will make this offense more exciting because we saw him rip off a couple of big runs right away when he got in there. And it wasn't as if they put him out there in garbage time. Like there was a chance that they could still win that game there. Um, at the same time, he also throws the ball down the field on the fourth and 18 to Greg Ward for the touchdown through another downfield pass to Zach Ertz. We'll see. I don't really trust, as you said, anybody in this receiver core enough to, well, great. Wentz is out of the picture. Now I'm going to boost them up. I don't trust Miles Sanders either. This guy has like completely removed himself from the game plan. Yeah. I I don't 
love to hamper on drops for any position because I think that's a subject for another podcast. They're mostly random. Uh, they're also you know very inconsistent year to year. Miles Sanders coming into last week had something like a 30% drop rate. That's not what you want when you're a running back, okay? So there's there's some problems there too. I don't know that anybody in this offense is in our good graces enough to get that boost, like you said, but I'm hoping that Hertz at least makes this offense more exciting and potentially we get some clarity this week and then make a move in week four, uh, 15 and 16. First of all, I'm going to mispronounce Jalen and call him Ertz all year long with his Philly situation. It is what so it be, is. Be prepared for that. And I believe Miles Sanders entered the league uh, having the highest fumbling percentage his last year in college, too. Yes. Um, so maybe he has a hands problem. And man, life comes at you fast. Doug Peterson was just lifting the Super Bowl trophy over his head, and now he's fighting for his uh, job. Although there might be something to just Frank Reich having so much to do with that. But um, but yeah, Sanders is, is definitely not the bell cow everyone had, had envisioned also. So um, going to be exciting to see Hertz play down the stretch uh, for sure. And it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's certainly a change that isn't unexpected with the way Wentz's season is going. But 2020 is going to be fascinating in Philly. 2021, sorry. Yeah, legit have no idea, as you said, what the hell they're going to do. Um, because they really... You mentioned Frank Reich. I think the only team that they could maybe talk into taking a chance on Wentz is the Colts because they need someone (laughs) with A, a need, B, draft pick resources, and C, a a bunch of cap room and, you know, someone that's creative and aggressive to solve a quarterback, a a quarterback quandary, which I think the Colts are going to have this year because Phillip Rivers on a one-year deal. He's old. And, oh, by the way, he's, uh, He's now he's going to have an offseason foot surgery potentially. So this really may be just a one year situation. And they're basically going to have to do the Brock Osweiler deal with someone like, hey, we'll we'll give you a pick and Carson Wentz to take this deal. His extension hasn't even started yet. That's the thing. <laughs> like, that's why it's such a train wreck. So I have no idea what the Eagles are going to do. They're probably just going to have to run it back with Wentz and a new coach. Tough scene, Doug Peterson, uh, but a new coach and try to fix quote-unquote, fix Carson Wentz. It's a mess there. Um, Last thing on Hate to See It, another quarterback who ranks 25th in EPA per play is Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, This Steelers offense, Dalton, I'm watching them last night. I'm starting to think to myself, are they good? Is this actually a good team? Because we know they have the good receivers, right? We know that Roethlisberger is... You know, he has a great touchdown to interception ratio, but they can't run the ball at all. They cannot convert in... um, in short yardage situations at all. James Connors out. The line doesn't get much push. I know the Steelers receivers get hampered for or hammered for dropping a lot of passes, but look at some of those drops, right? Like Deontay Johnson, some of those quote drops, he's like having to extend backwards on quick slant passes because I thought this was interesting. According to Sports Radar, Ben Roethlisberger ranks 29th out of 33 quarterbacks. That's a minimum of 170 dropbacks this year in on-target throw percentage with 69%. He's ahead of only Trubisky, the aforementioned Carson Wentz, the great Drew Locke, and Alex Smith. I don't think Roethlisberger has been consistently putting these balls on the money for these receivers. Yeah, does Johnson have to make some of those plays? Sure. Should Ebron maybe not drop every other pass that's thrown to him? Absolutely. Is it weird that that they've basically marginalized Juju Smith-Schuster for Eric Ebron? Yes, I also think that's weird. Chase Claypool should play more. Maybe James Washington should play more. But I don't think this offense as a whole is set up to be electric at this point because I think the quarterback – oh, by the way, he also doesn't throw down field. So all these off-target passes are coming like five yards down the field, man. It's, it's, It's a little concerning right now. I believe their neutral pass rate is, is third last I checked, which is a good thing, and that's probably contributing to why they're winning. But performance-wise, uh, you're right. There's plenty of concern. They can't run block at all, not that they have any special backs to do anything with it. The drops have been a concern, but at the same time, these are pretty awesome wide receivers for Big Ben to throw to. I mean, even James Washington was a second-round pick. Um, you look at the uh, the CPAE uh, completion percentage above expectation. Big Ben is right there with Mitch Trubisky. Um, and it's aesthetically ugly, as you said. It's um, ugly. And that's with a team with Chase Claypool on it, too. So that's tough to do. It is just, it's a sl- slug. It, it's, 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 it's ugly stuff. And Big Ben, he only grabbed his elbow a few times earlier this year. I don't know. I was hoping that he'd come back slinging it like uh like he was young but unfortunately um it hasn't been that which is wild for a team that was just undefeated until a second ago but boy they were not an an, uh, an impressive 
uh, undefeated and anyone would have the Chiefs as favorites on a neutral field. And it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, rebound. Yeah, I was all in on the Steelers pass catchers and their passing offense in general because I thought the volume would be there. And you mentioned the volume has been there, but the efficiency is terrible. And I don't think it's because Johnson drops passes or uh, Ebron drops passes or the drops or anything like that. They don't throw the ball down the field because their quarterback can't throw the ball downfield. And even when he's throwing these short over the middle passes, those are also painfully inaccurate. So <laughs> it's just, I think we need to have, and maybe I'm speaking to myself here, maybe everyone else has already caught up to this, but I think we need to have some reasonable expectations for this offense. You know, you're still starting Johnson because he gets volume every single week. You're probably taking chances on Claypool if you're willing to take the upside risk. Um, and I feel like we kind of know what Juju is this year, but we can't expect big ceiling games from these guys at this point. This offense, I just don't think is constructed that way at all. His average intended air yards is uh, 10th lowest in the league this year. Uh, Daniel Jones and Phillip Rivers have higher average intended air yards than uh, Big Ben. So, yeah, not 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 ideal. Uh, but, yeah, and one thing I will say is Tomlin seems upset with Deontay Johnson's drops. So, I don't know, it's something to note. I mean, that guy has uh, disappointed in games before. So, hopefully he doesn't, you know, commit a drop and then all of a sudden James Washington get all his snaps some week. But, um. Yeah, I, I'm with you as far as that being overrated and Big Ben more of a problem than these drops here and there. Yeah, I think it's encouraging that you see Ben like talking to Johnson all the time on the field. Like right after he drops a pass, he usually throws him the ball right away to like yeah. um, keep his confidence in in it. Um, I, I think that's generally, you know, that's, that's good. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Last thing, I, I just wanted to give uh, the, Greg Rosenthal a shout out for like early in the year calling Big Ben Big Breeze. And uh, you mentioned the air yard stat. That looks yeah. like it's pretty true at this point. For sure. Yeah. All right. Last segment of the show here is who got shelled presented by our friends at planters every Wednesday. Dalton and I are going to go and take a look back at the defense or defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week. And then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups that you want to take advantage of this Sunday. Dalton, my nomination for who got shelled, I'm not going to go with the Titans because we talked about them already. I'm going to do a dual nomination here of the Jets and the Raiders defense from last week because, number one, don't let the fact that Greg Williams botched that end of you know he got fired for it so no one's gonna no one's gonna forget that that he botched that end of game situation so bad because he can't help himself because he is greg williams don't let that forget the fact that man that raiders defense also gave up a pretty big game to sam darnold and ty johnson as i mentioned earlier like bro ty johnson what are what are we talking about here sam darnold that was probably his best game yeah josh adams too also had a big game. Uh, that was probably Sam Darnold's, what, his best game uh, of the year so far. That's not saying very much, but eight yards per attempt, two touchdowns, and a rushing score as well. So, yeah, I, I would say that the Raiders' defense got shelled last week. Yeah, they also, that crazy Hail Mary play won someone my survivor pool. There were two people left, and he's the only one that won, and it was because of that. Hail Mary, uh, can I also just throw in my 49ers? I uh, was uh, sick with the former two Bay Area teams who got shelled to the yes. So much for the Josh Allen splits with and without John Brown. I don't think he it mattered too much uh, that game. And Robert Sala, man, I don't know about him. If he replaces Matt Patricia, that'd be perfect in Detroit. Let me just say that. But uh, anyway, yeah, the Raiders you're out, and my you're 49ers, out on the on the Robert Sala hype? Yeah, I mean, he was, he was this close to getting fired Shanahan had to beg for him to keep his job then they give him dominant players and they and they perform a lot better but the lack of adjustments and yeah I'm not uh, yeah. yes uh, yeah not yes not uh, not not the world's biggest fan so maybe I'm just bitter after frustrating loss but Josh Allen they didn't force a punt they didn't force a kick they had to kick a field yeah. goal because halftime was coming and then they didn't force another punt until like two minutes left they were all just touchdowns I mean just uh not exactly impressive when they're quietly getting healthier too with Sherman and whatnot back too yep Yep. At least they at least they knock around the Rams. That, that at least you have that. At least you can uh, sure. take some solace in that. But yeah, I mean, hey, look, some local politicians or whatever are writing uh, the Detroit Lions to hire Robert Sala. So you might get your wish on that one. Uh, who do you expect to get shelled this week? 
Well, I'm going to go Jacksonville. Um, they just keep putting defenders on the IR. This is an over-under of uh, 53 and a half points against Tennessee, who I expect them to bounce back. I know they had a good offensive performance last week, ultimately, but Derrick Henry was shut down. He's going to be fired up. Um, and then on the flip side, Mike Glennon is facing a Titans D that's actually like been the most favorable to opposing quarterbacks this season, yeah. according to some some metrics when you uh, adjust for opponents. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, and the Jacksonville Jaguars defense are gonna get, is going to get shelled this week. I like that call. I think the Titans are still a good offensive unit. And, hey, I think it was almost kind of encouraging from a Ryan Tannehill perspective to see him come roaring back last week. Almost almost sure. made the Browns a little bit uncomfortable there at the end, but the Browns uh, pulled away. My Corey Davis. Get... Corey Davis, man. Corey he's Davis good. looks legit. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll see if the Titans are able to retain him or if they're going to have to save their money for A.J. Brown and he goes and becomes – uh, you know, maybe as long as he's a number two receiver, I think Corey Davis is fine. He won't be like a bust free agent signing, but he could be on another team this time next year. So that's uh, that is something to monitor. My pick for who's going to get shelled this week. Uh, you talked about Robert Sala potentially replacing the Detroit Lions. Let me tell you what. I think the Lions are going to get shelled this week. Uh, Matt Patricia may be gone, but they have not exercised the demons of the ghost of Matt Patricia because they were still very bad last week. Trubisky, like I said, was pretty efficient as a passer. David Montgomery also wrecked them. And, oh, now they get the Green Bay Packers this week. Not not what you want. I think that Aaron Jones, who, by the way, put up 230-plus total yards on this team all the way back in week two, Aaron Rodgers is playing at the absolute height of his powers. Uh, this looks like a week where you want to play Aaron Jones in DFS, like, Spend down on Jalen Hurts. You can spend up for Aaron Jones and think about playing guys like Lazard, like Bob Tanyan uh, and all the guys there. Oh, yeah. Indoors, this pass protection Rodgers has been getting. I have Aaron Jones as my number two fantasy back and locked in DFS lineups this week. Love it. We absolutely love it. All right. So that is who got shelled. I hope we don't get shelled by making those picks. And once again, we want to give a shout out to Planters for that segment. Stay satisfied with Planters. All right, Dalton. Week 14, we're in it, man. This thing is uh, almost over. Like, we have one, two, three FFLs left on Sunday morning. Uh, I can't, I like, honestly, I, I can't believe that this is almost, the 2020 season is almost over. But until then, we plug on. And uh, why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff? Yeah, week 14 lines. I'm talking with Pianowski on the upcoming podcast that comes out Thursday. And then I'll have my Friday sit-start column. And while you're waiting for the start sitcom to come out, you can throw some earbuds in your ear and listen to all of the great podcast offerings we have here at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast. Should we just rename that the Yahoo Sports Chaos podcast? We got Ohio State and Michigan canceled now. I'm sure they're talking a lot about that on the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Del Don. Tomorrow, Dalton says he will be back with Scott to preview the week 14 betting lines. Make sure you listen and consume all of that information. But until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.